Chapter 18 of the Mary Frances Cookbook. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marielle Carlyle. The Mary Frances Cookbook by Jane Eyer Fryer. Chapter 18 A Man's Lunch. Mother writes that she is so glad you are giving Billy such good lunches, said Father, looking up from his letter. I've been waiting a long time for an invitation to lunch, little daughter. Do you know I'll be quite jealous of Billy if my turn doesn't come soon? Oh, Father, Mary Frances begged, won't you come tomorrow? I didn't think you could get away from the store, and I don't know so very much to cook. Thank you, Miss Mary Frances. I'll be most happy to lunch with you tomorrow, said Father, in a real society tone. When Mary Frances went into the kitchen next morning, she said, I guess I'll make the dessert first. Rice pudding is good cold. It is excellent cold, spoke the deep voice of baking dish, especially if made by number 24 rice pudding. Three tablespoons rice, a fourth cup sugar, one-eighth teaspoon salt, sprinkling nutmeg, four cups milk or three cups milk and one cup water. Step one, pick over the rice and wash by putting in a strainer and shaking in a pan of water. Step two, butter the baking dish. Step 3. Stir rice, sugar, and salt into the milk. Step 4. Pour into the baking dish. Step 5. Sprinkle with nutmeg. Step 6. Cover with a lid and bake slowly two hours. Step 7. Uncover and brown half hour. Note. Seeded raisins may be added before browning. If desired, a thin, narrow shaving of the outside rind of a lemon may be used as flavoring. Put this in the milk with the rice. "'Why, thank you, baking dish!' exclaimed Mary Frances. "'Will you kindly say it over slowly? "'I'll do it then, keeping time with your directions.' "'This he did, and as Mary Frances slipped him into the oven, "'I'm sure this will be good,' he said. "'I can always tell.' "'I'm very glad,' said Mary Frances gratefully. "'Now for the boiled mutton,' she said. "'I guess, Iron Pot, you can tell me about that.' Yes, ma'am, said Iron Pot, importantly climbing from the shelf and eyeing critically the piece of meat Mary Frances had placed on the table. That's a pretty nice cut of meat, pretty nice. It will be all right to cook it, as I will tell you. But really, mutton is less greasy if it is boiled long enough before needed to let the gravy cool. Take off the cake of fat, which will form on the top when cold. Of course, take the meat out as soon as it is tender, and after skimming the gravy, put it in again to reheat. I haven't time, said Mary Frances anxiously. You can put yours in a bowl and stand the bowl in ice water to cool the liquor quickly and do the same thing that way. Now, you give the recipe? asked Mary Frances. Iron Pot looked pleased and began. Number 25, boiled mutton. About three pounds rack of mutton or yearling. Step one, wipe with a damp cloth. Step two, pour three cups boiling water into a large pot. Step three, throw in two peeled onions. Step four, put in the meat, cover. Step five, boil ten minutes. Step six, draw pot to back of stove where it will simmer or just bubble until meat is tender when tried with a fork, which will be in about one and a half hours. Step seven, take out the meat. Step eight, skim off the fat from the surface of the liquor, or if there is time, cool and remove the hardened fat. Correct, exclaimed Saucepan, bending over Mary Frances's book, and the gravy is made saucy, began Iron Pot in a boiling rage, but he suddenly stopped as Mary Frances shook her finger at him. It's all right this time, she said. 
It is your place, Saucepan. It is my place, said Saucepan, trying not to let Iron Pot see how pleased he was to tell about number 26, sauce or gravy for boiled mutton. Step 1. After cooling and skimming off the fat, measure the water in which the meat was boiled. Step 2. To each cupful, allow 1 tablespoon flour, 1 fourth teaspoon salt, 1 half teaspoon vinegar. Step 3. Moisten these with a little cold water. Step 4. Stir them into the boiling gravy. Step 5. Add 1 tablespoon finely minced parsley. Thank you both, my friends, said Mary Frances, lifting Iron Pot. My, but you're heavy. Tis true, said Iron Pot sadly. All my old-fashioned friends, like Iron Tea Kettle, glancing toward the new tea kettle, and Cauldron are gone. But, he added, brightening up, it has been proved that for boiling meats, no modern lightweights could do them up so brown. We'll prove it again, laughed Mary Frances. I do believe I'll have a splendid lunch for father, a regular big man's lunch. Listen, boiled mutton, parsley sauce, boiled potatoes, rice pudding, coffee. And now I'll set the table. I think I'll use the very best silver and the prettiest dishes. It will please father, I know. This is the way Mary Frances set the table for her father and Billy's lunch. Mary Frances sat in her mother's place. Just as Mary Frances was finishing getting the lunch, the phone bell rang and Billy answered. This is what Mary Frances heard. Hello? Yes. Too bad, father, can't you? Well, I'll tell her, but I hate to, awfully. She's been hard at work all the morning. I? Oh, I attended to the fire for her, then went upstairs to make those drawings. Oh, yes, I'll look after her all right. Yes, she is a regular brick. All right, goodbye. Sis! I know, Billy, Mary Frances sobbed. I know, father can't come and everything is ready. Oh, dear, oh, oh, dear. Oh, I say, sister, said Billy. I'll pretend I'm father. Won't that do? And, oh, yes, I'll show you how to fold a napkin into Cinderella's slipper. Where did you learn how? Mary Frances began to dry her tears. Not on land and not on sea did this knowledge come to me. When I learned, I had on my hat. Where was I? Now riddle me that. No lady fair, not up in the air, on a boat in the river. Silly Billy, exclaimed Mary Frances. Please show me the trick now, will you? Yes, said Billy, and then I'll eat father's share, as well as mine, of a very grand lunch if my nose isn't deceiving me. Well, said Mary Frances, that will help some, but please fold the napkin. And Billy showed her this. Step one, fold napkin twice, making it fourfold, making crease through the center as shown in figure one. Step two, fold each end along dotted line in figure one over to center crease. Then the napkin will be in the form of figure two. Step three, fold napkin again along dotted line in figure two over to center. Then it will look like figure three. Step four, fold the napkin together along center crease. Bring one side exactly over the other. Then the napkin will look like figure four. Fold one side along dotted line in figure four, turning end under and bringing it up as shown in figure five. Step six, fold along dotted line in figure five, bringing point A over to meet letter B then the napkin will look like figure six. Tuck the end A into opening AB, folding along dotted line in figure six, and stand slipper as in figure seven. Fold back and spread open the top. Into which slip candy or flowers? Mary Frances was so pleased with Cinderella's slipper that she folded all the napkins on the lunch table. Looks like a hotel table, said Billy. Well, Billy, said Mary Frances, I know fancy folded napkins aren't so nice for home, but you don't mind. 
Indeed, no, said Billy. I feel proud. While they were at lunch, there came a knock, and a boy from the store handed in a box of candy and a little note addressed to Miss Mary Frances. Ahem, said Billy, as Mary Frances opened the box and offered him some candy. Since father couldn't come, he sent a sweet guest in his place. It isn't very nice to eat up your guest, laughed Mary Frances. Mary Frances, asked Billy, what's better than a cream chocolate? Two cream chocolates, I guess, said Mary Frances, passing the box. But Billy, listen, dear Miss Mary Frances, my little girl's disappointment in not having her father to lunch today can scarcely equal his. A very wicked man came on business from a long distance and prevented me from being hungrily yours father. P.S. Please accept candy with my love. The 3rd of September. End of chapter 18. Recording by Marielle Carlisle.